motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Before diving into this episode, I wanted to share an update with you. There are seasons, stages, and times of change in our motherhood journey, and this is the case with my podcast as well. With many mixed emotions, the final episode of the Part-Time Jungle podcast will be released at the end of June 2022, and I will be launching a new podcast called the People Teaching People podcast in the fall. This journey has been amazing. I have had the opportunity to connect with so many incredible people, to hear their stories, to be inspired, and to learn so much. I have also had such wonderful feedback from our community of listeners about the guests, episodes, and conversations that have really resonated with them. I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I started this podcast back in February of 2020, but it has truly filled my soul and warmed my heart. However, it is time for a change. My background is in education, and I am truly passionate about all things teaching and learning. My new podcast will be a place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education truly plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Thank you for joining me in the part-time jungle, and I hope to have you join me on the road and adventure ahead on the People Teaching People podcast. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited to be here with our guest today, Sabrina Adair. Sabrina has her Master's of Science in Occupational Therapy and is a practicing occupational therapist, a passionate advocate for parent empowerment, and the author of Understanding a Child, the Occupational Therapy Way, Recognizing and Communicating the Unique Potential of a Child. She is a mom of four beautiful children who have taught her patience, perseverance, and compassion, and that we're all wonderfully unique individuals with our own unfolding stories. Sabrina's experience working with children has inspired her drive for innovation and interprofessional collaboration. In 2019, she founded Enabling Adaptations, a private therapy company focused on helping parents and caregivers to find ways to effectively understand and communicate their child's needs in order to create positive environments where children can reach their greatest potential. Sabrina is an award-winning entrepreneur 
and shares her successful approach to improving children's lives at speaking engagements, parenting workshops, and more. Sabrina holds a post-professional Master of Science in Occupational Therapy from Dalhousie University and a Bachelor of Science in Occupational Therapy from the State University of New York at Buffalo. She resides just outside Toronto, Ontario with her husband and children. Thank you so much for joining me, Sabrina. Thanks so much for having me, Tiana. So to start, I always love to ask people about their stories. So I would love for you to share your journey in motherhood and work that's brought you to where you are and what you're doing today. Thank you. Yes, it definitely has been a journey. So I graduated with occupational therapy almost 20 years ago, which is crazy to think it's been that long. I started working in a hospital when I first graduated. And then over the years, my husband has had to move for his work and switch jobs, which forced me or allowed me to follow the passions that I started to develop. And so I started to work with children and started to then as well have my own children. And so life became a little bit more complex with children. And I started to have to navigate working and having kids. And I was able to flex my schedule and work in different environments. And then what happened is my kids started to grow up. I noticed that they were having different experiences with life. And some of them had a little bit more needs than others. And so I started to have to navigate the whole process of the other side of looking at children with needs as a parent perspective. And then from that, I realized how challenging it is as a parent to be able to navigate that system. So I thought there had to be a better way to be able to do this. And so I started to look at alternative options. And that's where I created this company called Enabling Adaptations. What it did is it created access to occupational therapists through an online portal that allows you to connect with an occupational therapist to ask the questions about your kids, to gain a better understanding, learn some really practical strategies that you can implement right away, but all from a place that's convenient for you and a time that's convenient for you. I just wanted to make it easier for parents to access the services. And so that's where I, that's what it brought me to today, where I started this company and it's been up since 2019. I have the great honor of working with a lot of families as well, been able to develop it into ongoing education for parents, offering one-to-one with parents or caregivers, as well as a self-directed course that I have online, as well as a podcast that I have. That's wonderful. And I love how you're thinking about that just-in-time support for families because it is so busy being a parent and juggling all the multiple responsibilities and different personalities and and situations that we come across as parents. So to be able to have that really flexible approach for getting the support you need in terms of that occupational therapist perspective is amazing. It was hard for me as a parent to bring my four kids to an appointment as well, or even the physical, like finding a babysitter to take three of the kids if I needed to work with one of like work with one of the kids or bring them to an appointment. And so just that whole technical aspect of parenting with multiple kids just makes it that much more complex. And so rather than, you know, and then kids would never act the way that you, you know, the struggles that they had, they would never act like that in front of the person you brought them to. So you'd be spending the whole time being like, well, usually they do this and usually they do that. And then the the caregivers or the people you're meeting would be like, well, I don't really see it. Right. And so I faced that a number of times as a parent, but I've also seen that with kids coming to see me as a practitioner. And so that's what I wanted to separate those two and really hear what parents are struggling with and be able to bring that knowledge to them 
just, you know, I struggle with this with my kids. What can I do to help them? And if you have the strategies, you feel more empowered as a parent. You really do because you can really feel at a loss. You don't even know where to start. And being able to have that person provide those insights and expertise is invaluable. I, we've had a number of times in our own parenting journey with our kids where you just can't see beyond all the things that you're already trying and doing and just being able to talk things out with somebody else and get those additional pieces and skills and things that you can add to your toolbox is so helpful without having to haul the entire family <laughs> to an appointment. I'm remembering when the kids were small and in the winter and all the snowsuits and all those things. It was a lot. There were times where I was breaking out in a sweat for sure, just trying to get from point A to B. So exactly, exactly. Now, obviously, as we're talking about in motherhood and work, the juggle is so very real. And you're a mom of four kids. And I'd love to know some of the strategies, resources or tools that help you to manage your juggle. And also, how old are your kids now? So I have four kids. One is 14. Um, one is soon to be 12, an uh, almost 10 year old and a almost eight year old. They're two years apart. So 14, 12, 10, and eight. That is a diversity of ages <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with your four kids for sure. So what are some things that help you sort of manage all the things that you do as a mom with work and all the other things that you're up to? So we have to, because my kids are into a lot of activities, we have to live kind of by the schedule. So everything kind of fits into a schedule that we have planned out who's doing what and who's going where. And then when we have that schedule set up, then I actually time block my business into it. So I dedicate specific times for for specific tasks. And those become kind of set in stone that my kids know that those are the times that I'm working, right? I have access to parents during those times right? So it's really time blocked, I think is the big key for me. And I stick with those. I also do a lot of batch working as an entrepreneur. So when I do sit down and I do, for instance, social media, I really find that if I batch it together and have my mindset into my social media, then I have my calendar out. I do the whole, I try to do even up to a month of social media. So I know it's going out and it takes away one stress that I have to worry about on a daily basis. And then I also prioritize, like I, I have a list of things that I need to get done. The things that are most important to the least, I number them and I try and accomplish them in that order as much as I can. Those are all fantastic strategies. <laughs> and I hear what you're saying. There really are those windows of time. And I, I love how you've sort of worked your work around what your existing family schedule is. And then layered in some additional strategies to help you manage that work in a way that's going to be most productive for you. And I am in awe and in admiration of your approach to social media. I'm trying to get there. <laughs> I just do not quite have that handle on that. But that is my hope. I need to get better because I always feel like it's something in the back of my mind that I should be doing more of. And sometimes that's what falls to the bottom of my list. So I admire sure. your approach. <laughs> well, and I also realize that if I don't, if I don't do it, it is, yeah, you're right. It is the one that kind of bumps off, but once I get it off of my plate, I feel like it's like a relief of something that I don't have to think about anymore. Right. So then I just know that it's done. So I have it blocked in my calendar for the day I'm going to do it. I actually will batch my blog posts as well and delay them so that I have a creative time to write them. 
and then have them go out as well. Otherwise, it's just hard to find the time. And that's one of the reasons I became an entrepreneur is that I could flex my time around my kids because they were my number one priority. So I wanted to make sure I was present for when I needed to be. And then this gives me the flexibility to do that. That's fantastic. So note to self, I'm going to try and get better (laughs) at, at some of those batching pieces. I need to get into a little bit more of a groove. So I really admire uh, your dedication with those. Now I wanted to wish you congratulations on your book. I thank you. I really loved reading it and I appreciate you sharing a copy with me. So thank you. And I'd love to know what inspired you to write your book and who is your book written for? So the name of my book is Understanding a Child, the Occupational Therapy Way. So that's the main title. The subtitle is Recognizing and Communicating the Unique Potential of a Child. The reason why I wrote it is because I felt like the knowledge that we have as an occupational therapist, I wish wish I could share it with a lot of people. And not everybody has access to an occupational therapist, whether it be because of proximity to people or because of, you know, insurance or coverage or whatever the the case may be. But I wanted the knowledge that we have to be accessible to as many people as possible. And I also feel like occupational therapists look at the world holistically. So we look at the full picture of a child. And so I wrote this book kind of to really my personal preference or my personal priority was to get this in the hands of parents and caregivers, people that are taking care of children. And I also wanted it to be written in a way that teachers could read it. You know, other healthcare providers could read it. Doctors could read it. So it's written in a level that's just accessible to a lot of people. And what it does is it takes the whole picture of your child and breaks it down into specific areas that help you learn more about your child. And so we talk about, you know, understanding your child, you have to understand a little bit more of their physical characteristics. You need to understand their emotional, you know, what their behaviors are telling us. We need to know how that um, impacts the environments that they are in. So when they're at school versus at home versus, you know, the community center or in the neighborhood. And so when you understand how all these pieces fit together, then you can then understand a little bit about more about your child. And I want to empower people when you can understand your child a little bit better you can then communicate your child and their needs to other people. And that was my big thing is to make it so accessible to people that you can now be able to describe your child very clearly. And then somebody will be able to help them on the other side. And so it was, I kind of wrote it in the way that hopefully as many people can pick it up as possible and then leave after you read the book, you'll leave with, okay, I think I have a better grasp of how to tell people about my child. I definitely found your book to be very accessible. So I didn't feel like I needed to be an (laughs) expert in all things occupational therapy to be able to make my way through it. And I found it to be a really enjoyable read, actually. So thank you. Yeah. And one of the things in your book you talk about is how occupational therapy is often misunderstood because of its (laughs) name. So what exactly is occupational therapy and what does an occupational therapist do? It is definitely, I actually dedicate a whole chapter to it because it is so misunderstood. So occupation or occupational therapy, people often think that our occupations are the jobs that we do. So the the job that you do as a person. And so whenever I meet with parents, they always say, well, my child does not have a job yet. And it's like, well, they do. Their job is to be a child, right? Their job is to get dressed. So we have jobs Our occupations are the things that we have to do every day, like get dressed, brush our teeth, 
Those are all part of the occupation of living. Then we have the occupations that we have to do during the day. So going to school or going to work, those are part of our occupations of work. But then we also have a leisure occupation, which are all the fun things that you like to do afterwards. And so when, whenever something gets in the way of I, any of those things, so whether it's your self-care, your work, or your leisure activities, then occupational therapists will help you figure out how to accommodate to those needs. So that, for example, kids that struggle at school are having a tough time with their school occupation. So that could be things like, you know, writing, you know, sitting still, focusing, attention, behaviors. Those are part of our occupation of being a student. Whereas, you know, sometimes kids have troubles getting dressed in the morning or they have troubles brushing their teeth or sitting at a table. Those are part of our, our morning activities. So an occupational therapist will help you with any of those areas that you're struggling with and figure out ways to understand or accommodate for those needs and help you do them to the best of your ability. That's a great explanation because I think there is this misnomer that maybe it's about, you know, having the right, you know, desk or chair to be comfortable at work or, you know, setting yourself to be, as you said, successful in a work environment and having those accommodations in place. But I I really appreciate you describing and explaining exactly what it's all about. And I wanted to actually share a section from the introduction of your book that really drew me in. So you said each person is looking at the world from their own perspective. This perspective is based on a number of factors, including where you were born, what era you were born in, who raised you, how you were raised, and all the experiences that you have had. Our perspective is formed from our story. This book is about discovering your story and the story of the children we work with. It is about recognizing and understanding what influences our perspectives and the way we interact with the world. It is about putting down our technology and really engaging in the world around us. It is about helping children who are often misunderstood share their story. And I just thought that is such a powerful and beautiful message. So what would you say are some things that parents can do today to start better understanding their children and their children's stories? I think one of the key things, and this is what I actually start the self-directed course with, is that you need to start by understanding yourself in order to understand your children. So we, I talk to people all the time about this, and I teach at a college, and I talk to the students there about it, is that we all have our own story. And that started before we were even born, like, again, to who created us, how we were raised, and the things that we learned from being raised, the experiences that we had, play into how we see the world today right? And only we have that story. And they tell, they, you hear this all the time. Our siblings don't have the same story as us because they experience life even different than we did. So understanding your story is the best way to start understanding your child's story, right? So then when you understand the perspective that you have, and then you, you realize that your child is somebody different than you. So they are going to now have experienced different things than you have that you may not have experienced when you were a child. And so then you separate a little bit more into what made them who they are today. So the biology of them is going to be a combination of their two biological parents, whether that's you and your spouse, or that's you, that's if they were adopted, who their biological parents. And then you take from that and you look at how they actually experience the world. So that's where my book keeps going through the process of breaking down into how do they recognize the sensory world around them? So when you watch your, ch- your children um, out in the environment, how do they react to things that they hear? How do they react to things that they see, right? When they touch different textures, when they, you know, 
when they're eating different foods. And, and all these little pieces will start to give you pictures into the story of what makes them unique, right? And then you move on to how do they learn? How do they hear information? How do they receive information? You know, what are their behaviors when they overreact or when they get overwhelmed? What do they, how do they display that? And then it looks at, okay, when I'm overwhelmed, I display it one way. When they are overwhelmed, they may display it a different way, right? So our overwhelm looks different. Our calm may look different, right? The things that we crave and need. And I even go into a portion in the book um, where I talk about belonging and connection, right? The way that we um, receive love and the way that we feel connected to those around us can be very different from the way that our children do. So understanding how your child fe feels connected will impact your relationship with your child, will impact their relationship with their teachers, and so on and so forth. So it's just interesting to go through this process of now identifying these different characteristics of your child, which then I call their story, because it's an ever-changing story, because the more that they experience, their story will continue. Yeah, I just, I think that's such a beautiful way to think about it. And I think this book is going to be such a fantastic resource for teachers, being a teacher myself, <laughs> because oftentimes in, in your classroom, be it, you know, working with adult learners or children, teenagers, mm -hmm. there's always more to the stories. You mm -hmm. see those faces sitting in front of you, but they bring so much with them in terms of their experiences and the way they see the world and experience the world. And I really value that relationship-centered approach to getting to know people and working with people and supporting people in navigating the world and, and doing the best they can. And I really feel like uh, we often don't give um, time enough to understand a story. So when a teacher just gets a class for, you know, say grade six, for example, you know, you meet them when they're in grade six, they have had that many years of experience before them that has brought them to that point, right? Their relationships, the things that they've experienced before. And so what you're seeing then may be a combination of a whole bunch of things that has happened over time. So if we just take it as face value, if a kid doesn't want to do math, you know, it may not be that they're against you. It may be that they have struggled with this for a long time or, you know, they've had other issues with this, or they have vision issues, or it's too noisy in the classroom, or, you know, they just feel disconnected because the seats in the classroom are now different than the ones they had last year. Like there could be a number of reasons. And I think sometimes we focus on just the first one where they just won't do the math homework, right? So we miss the other parts of what I call the story or miss the other parts of the picture that may be able to connect with that child and realize, okay, maybe if we, you know, can give them some headphones or we give them a little bit more time one-on-one, -on -one, or we give them a chair that's a little bit more comfortable, we can then connect them back into the math. And sometimes it's not a big issue. It's sometimes something really small. It just takes us to be a little bit more curious. Yeah. And as you said too, part of you know, the why with writing the book is helping parents to better understand the story of their own child and then to be able to share mm -hmm. that story with others. So that communication of by parents with the other important people in a child's life is so key. And that's what I do at the end of the book. I have two chapters dedicated to how to communicate with within the school, because I think that's one of the biggest areas that kids spend outside or the largest amount of time that kids spend outside the home is with school. So how do you communicate effectively with the school? And then also how do you communicate effectively with healthcare practitioners? Cause I think it's very different 
especially if you're navigating the world with multiple healthcare professionals at different locations. Um, it's how do you carry your story across to them in a way that you know they have time for, but also that you are going to be able to get your points across. Yeah. No, I love the journey that you walk parents through in your book. It's very helpful. So it's been a great <laughs> reminder for me and has given me many additional tools in my tool belt in, as far as being a mom and supporting my kids with their stories. Now, you briefly mentioned this a moment ago, but also when you signed my copy of your book, you wrote, <laughs> always be curious. And what would you like parents to know about taking time to be curious with their children? I think that's the key is curiosity gives us a little bit more time. So if we judge really quickly, we can make rash decisions based on a small piece of information. So if you are curious, you tend to open your ears a little bit more, right? You, you look at the environment around, you tend to be more of a detective. And the reason I write that in, in lots of the books that I sign is that I feel that not only do we need to be curious with our kids, we need to be curious with the people that work with our kids, with the adults in our lives, the other people that we come in touch with, because their comments and their perspectives are always coming from a different place than we know, because they all have their own story. And when those stories collide, they don't always collide at the same timing that we're all thinking of it the same way. So being curious is just taking that moment to say, Hey, this isn't the way you know, I would normally react to this situation. What could be going on in this moment that could make my child react in this way? Or, you know, Hey, my child was just fine. A minute ago, something happened. And now they're, you know, having this meltdown. Let's take a moment instead of reacting to the meltdown, let's just think of it for a moment. What happened in those 10 minutes that may have set them over? What happened earlier that day? What happened? You know, how did they sleep last night? And curiosity will start your mind to get going to ask those questions. And I ask a lot of questions in my book to try and get you to get that curiosity brain into you to even think about why you would react to a situation that your child is having because of something that you may have had in the past, right? Because it can trigger our emotions because of something we've done before, right? And so curiosity, I think, is just a way of just saying there's going to be more or there is more always to the story. So figuring that out. Yes. There often is so much more to the story. Yeah. And you're right. Just taking that pause and being reflective and asking those questions and doing a little bit of that detective work is so important and just a good message and a good reminder for how we sort of move through life in general, because sometimes the reactions we get may not make a lot of sense in the moment, but if we're, if we can be curious about them instead of maybe reactive ourselves to them, that can help us come to a better understanding and move I forward. A, <laughs> I have a story about my son recently. He was, he struggles a lot with output. So written output. And so I, he was in the middle of doing some work for school and he just had a meltdown. That was it. He could not do it anymore. And, and so I let him ride his wave of his meltdown so that, you know, cause you can't really talk in that moment. And afterwards, when I came back to him, I said, you know, I just want to find out curiously, what is it about the school work that really bothers you? Because the way that he reacted was that he just didn't want to do it. He just threw his book away. He's not doing his work. He never wants to go to school anymore. That's it. But what it came down to, he said, no, it's, he said, it's really hard for me to think about what I want to write to remember how to write it, 
to think about holding the pencil and to think about how to form the letters all at the same time. And then I thought for him to have that insight and my reaction originally was like, he hates school. He just doesn't want to school, go to school, which is a lot of parents' initial reactions. It's more of the fact that he could understand that it was just the overwhelm. And when you're curious, now you can take that overwhelm and you can break it down into those manageable pieces. He knew the answer. And so what he started to do was tell me the answer so he could verbalize it and I could draft it down for him so that he wouldn't forget it. And then he could take the answer because he didn't have to think about it anymore. And then he could copy it into his book, right? So it's helping him break down those steps so that the overwhelm wasn't so much there. But to take the, the moment of the meltdown and him throwing his book and having a full tantrum on the floor, you know, kicking and screaming to now realizing that if we use those steps, then he doesn't get to that point of overwhelm anymore. So that's the point of my book is to help parents figure out how to navigate the overwhelm, but figure out the little pieces that could make, make it easier for a child. And how insightful of him. Oh, a hundred percent. I was blown away when he said it's all the pieces coming together and just taking the time for kids to have that moment when they are calm to be reflective. We tend not to do either. A number of times where kids have, you know, gone under a desk at school and they get in trouble for going under the desk. The teacher asks them to come out from under their desk and they say no. And then teacher asks them again, they say no. And so then they get sent to the principal's office, right? And when I have the opportunity to talk to those children or when you know parents have had the opportunity to talk to the children, what we've heard, or I've heard a number of times is they will say the classroom was so loud and it was just overwhelming. They were actually seeking some reprieve from the overwhelm of the classroom. So it is like a little dark cave sometimes under your desk and you feel like you're separating yourself, even though you're not. But that was the issue. It wasn't necessarily that they were being disobedient to the teacher, is that they were so overwhelmed, but you, they had nowhere to escape to. And so taking that aside, we can then create a different environment for them when they felt overwhelmed to be able to then decrease their emotions, to be able to then come back to the classroom, right? Well, Without sending them to the principal's office. <laughs> exactly. Well, and in us being curious and trying to better understand our children's stories or the stories of the children that we're working with, and by encouraging them to be reflective, ultimately, they better understand their own stories and hopefully then learn how to better advocate for themselves and understand how they learn best and the things that they need to support their learning or the things that they're doing too. And for the parents of that child, one of the things that was really neat is when I talked to the parents, they're like, yeah, he loves to just sit in the dark often. He always wears like headphones. He doesn't like when the TV's too loud. So all these little features that they notice at home, when we could put those into writing and say, he doesn't really like bright environments. He's very sensitive to noise. Then all of a sudden the school was like, oh, that's why he reacts when he's in assembly. That's why he reacts when the class is having like open period where everyone's talking right? Then it starts to make sense. And instead of the behaviors being um, disciplined for the behaviors, they now can be like, okay, you know what? It's a little loud in here. Would you like to put on some noise canceling headphones? Or would you like to take a walk for a minute or go to a quiet room, right? The the way a, a teacher will react to a child becomes very different. Yeah, it really, really does. Now, We talked about this briefly, but I'm going to pick your brain on this one a little bit more because I think it's so important. So 
As parents, we continue to better understand our children's stories and who they are and what they're capable of. of. So what would be some specific ways to effectively communicate this story to other people? So do you have some key strategies or ideas that might help parents do this? When I really cover this in detail in my book. So if you do want like longer strategies that I'm offering here, please pick up my book. But one of the key things is I, you need to understand that your child is a person and is not an object. And we are not dealing with somebody specifically that is only around right now. So we have to think about the child and the future of that child. So who does this person want to be when they grow up? What is the vision for the child? What is our goal, long-term goals for this child? And so when you're communicating a story, you want to express to them a little bit more about, I want to tell you a little bit about my child. And then you can share a little bit of the story with them before you go into your ask or your you know, request for something at school. So meeting with people in a non-confrontational way and asking if you can just share a little bit more about your child is a really good way to start. Because once you can share those stories and say, we really notice when, when we do these things at home, it really benefits him. We also notice when these things happen, it elevates his dysregulation, his inability to, to manage the stress. These are the things that can help him. And then the school's often a little bit more receptive to some of these ideas, especially if you are talking from home. But if you come into the environment and you say, my child needs this without giving a bit of the story, then it's often and not taken as well because there's no, I guess, uh, way to see where that comes from or to understand why you need what you're asking for. And in the same way, you can say, you know, if the school is offering some services for your child and you have a different perspective, you can talk from a vision standpoint about who you, you want your child to become when they're older and look at their needs and ask if this is going to be the best thing to help them reach that vision. That's great advice and a great starting point. And absolutely, parents wanting to learn more. There are so many fantastic strategies in Sabrina's book, so you should definitely (laughs) check it out. Thank you. Now, when you look back at your journey so far, what would be a, a highlight, a win, or something that you're the most proud of? I think watching my kids grow up and seeing how they are developing, I think is a huge win for me. And I'm, I'm really proud of what they've become or who they've become. And they're very unique and very individual and nothing like me, which I had hoped they would be somewhat like me, but they're not, but they're becoming their own people, which is very cool. A huge win for me is also, I always dreamed about starting my own company. I had this vision for this company and and I just thought there was an opportunity to propose my company to a, a um, accelerator center, which is a startup um, accelerator center. And so I pitched my idea to this company and they accepted it. And so I was brought into their jumpstart program to help develop the company, which was an amazing. And from that, I won a MedTech top startup award for my company, which was an amazing award to get. To get. Um, it led into some speaking engagements like the um, women's breakfast for our town, I was able to speak at and talking about my company. From that, I was able to get my book contract. And so some of these things that I was just, I learned how this can help parents and I wanted to be able to share it more. And I pitched this idea to a um, publishing house and the publishing house was like, we love it. We love that idea. And so it just processed from that. And they unanimously voted it in as a great book and gave me the publishing contract. And that was like an amazing, I got it the day after my birthday. It was an amazing birthday present. Um, but some of those 
those moments are the things that I'm most proud of because I recognize that it's not just me believing in this. There are more people around me that are believing in this. And so kind of being able to get these little awards or getting these little connections has really been these highlights for me to know that I'm on the right journey. Well, congratulations on all your success (laughs) and all your amazing wins. And, you know, being in a position to continue to make such a big difference for other people and, and help families out and help kids out and, and help the people that work with these kids as well. So that is incredible. I'm now going to pick your brain with some rapid fire questions. (laughs) What is one of your go-to meals on those super busy days? I will always do soup. And I feel like I can put everything that a kid needs to eat into one little pot and my kids love soup. So they will eat all their vegetables and all their meat and everything just in a soup. So is it one you invent or is there like a family favorite soup? No, it's usually just one that I will invent depending on what's left in my house. So I have a vegetable, but they will pretty much eat anything that has the broth and some vegetables and tastes like soup. <laughs> That's amazing. A great way to clean out the fridge or use, <laughs> use what you've got on hand, right? What is one of your favorite family games or activities? We love to be outside. We love to, we have an RV. We used to have a trailer. We love going camping and being outside. Outdoor adventures are huge. And then if we're inside, stuck inside, we have to play a game that all six of us can play. So Uno at this point is, is a good one that can hit all six of us. So we often will play Uno pretty competitively as well. (laughs) Games can get pretty intense around here too. (laughs) What is a book podcast or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? I love your podcast, by the way. So that's one. Um, I also love a lot of podcasts that talk about entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurship journey, like how I built this with Guy Raz and love that podcast. Some books, I read a ton of books. So to pick a few is really hard, but some of the good ones I've read recently, Malcolm Gladwell's new one, Talking to Strangers, absolutely loved it because it's similar thinking that everybody has a story and we often get misinterpreted by our stories. Gabor Mate's work with brain and brain and cognitive development. I'm reading one right now called The Island of Missing Trees. And it's actually telling the story partially from the tree's perspective of how the tree experiences the family, which I thought is fascinating to think that a tree would have a story, right? So it's just, I read a whole bunch of genres and love, 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 love all books. Well, that is an exciting and interesting list. And Definitely both podcast wise and book wise. I have some great ones to add to, uh, (laughs) to check out myself. And if you could sit down and have a conversation with any mom, who would it be and why? Oh, there's so many, there's so many moms out there, but you know what I love? I love talking to any moms whose kids are grown to understand their journey and realize how similar the journeys are yet in such different worlds. Right. So, and I think, again, I just love hearing people's stories. So I don't, can't bring it down to one person that I would say, but I just, I love talking to people and learning about their lives. I love connecting with parents who are just a few steps ahead of us and picking their brain and getting advice as we're trying to sort of now figure things out and navigate things ourselves with teenagers and all those things, you know, it's definitely for sure. And you know what, and, and it's good because when you go into that, you know what to expect as well, because you know, not to overreact with certain things, because that's just the phase they're going to go through. 
For sure. I a hundred percent agree with that too. And, all, and to know the that phases. they come, <laughs> I know. And to know that they come out the other side, right. That's my big thing is they always come out the other side and they, they get married or they, you know, move on to jobs and they move out and they go live in cool places. And, and I always think there's going to be such a big story at the end of our kids' lives, which is cool. It is exciting to think about what that might be. <laughs> it feels so far away, but it's not. No, but it's really not. not. Now, thinking about the phrase, if I knew then what I know now, what is one of the biggest takeaways or aha moments that you've had as a mom or something that you wish you would have known uh, when you started your journey as a mom? You know, TV and even um, social media really portrays mom as like uh, being a mom as this perfect, you know, perfect life and everything's easy and simple. And I really wish people we're more honest with how beautiful it can be, but also how hard it is at the same time. Like it's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had, or I have, I, I mean, it is by far the hardest, but there are some things to look. And I think that one of the things I would tell people, or even, you know, if I knew then to really savor those good moments, right. And to really look at the beautiful sides of our kids and see them for who they are and not really for the, the behaviors that you have or the, Um, struggles that you have because they are beautiful people, right? We all are. But I think that sometimes we get lost in it because we want to have this um, persona of a perfect family, which doesn't actually exist, right? And so if I knew what I knew then, I think I would have hoped that somebody had shown me what it was really going to be like and then how to navigate the realness of it. It is a very real experience. (laughs) With lots of ups and downs, but I love that to savor those good moments and, and to recognize that there are going to be those ups and downs. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And before we wrap things up, I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. I think that you need to do what you're passionate about, right? And that makes life a little bit easier. And also give yourself grace. Like I, I said these, you know, I talked about time batching and, and sometimes the days don't go the way they're supposed to be planned. And that's okay. The only one, if you're working on your own, the only one that's holding you accountable is often yourself. And so recognizing that it's okay because, you know, being a mom might be your first priority or it should be your first priority. So if something is needed for your kids, right, work will always be there. And so you can always go back and do it later. So give yourself grace I try to have to remind myself that all the time, that when I don't meet the deadlines of what I need to do, you know, tomorrow's a new day. And so that would be the one final thought. And then my other final thought that I always say to people is always be curious, right? Be curious of why your child is needing you extra that day, because there might be something going on in their life, right? Or why is it not working out at this moment to do the things that you need to do? And, you know, and so just understanding what is going on in the world around you will help you to navigate all the juggle that is real. It definitely is real. And Sabrina, I want to thank you so much for sharing all your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the work that you do and your your course, your podcast, your book, where are the best places to find you? Um, so on my website, you'll find a link to all of them at enablingadaptations.com. My book can be purchased at all major retailers. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Chapters Indigo, or it can be purchased at your local bookstore. They can order it directly from the publisher. 
And yeah, the podcast can be found on most major podcast services. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me, Sabrina. This was a great conversation and it was so nice to connect with you today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time, where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.